Then what's your favourite flavour of Hubba Bubba? Uh, original? Oh, but should I not say grape? Gra- it's borderline. I guess this is a grape episode. You have to say grape. Grape. It's legally mandated. You have to say grape. Okay, it's grape. It's grape. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Ingredipedia, Australia's plumpest food podcast. Mm. My name's Ben Birchall, and I'm joined by Emily Naismith. Hello, Em. Hello, Ben. Today's our grape episode. It is. Sweet, sour, delicious. Peeled. Juicy. Not peeled. Frozen. Yeah, I never did the frozen grapes thing, but it, yeah, I've been reading up about them. You can roll them in um, in jelly crystals. I saw people going nuts for that. Mm. It's like grapes are sweet enough, though. I think it's an American thing. I think it is an American thing. Anyway, don't let dogs have them. No, I didn't know how bad they were. And mm. I've got a very small dog, like one grape yeah. could do her in. And my daughter drops a lot of food on the ground. Uh, so no grapes it? in our mm. household. Good. We'll just, we'll fight about them instead. Yes. It's a cost of living crisis, Ben. Times are tough. They are. Have you ever been tempted or have you ever scanned something through the self-serve checkout as a cheaper item? I have been tempted. I Mm. haven't done it. Mm. I know it's common. I'm not judging anyone who does it. I think, you know, now they've got the, uh, like... The camera on you. Yeah, and they've got and like the colour thing, so you can't necessarily, like if you put oh. red capsicums down, all the red food comes up that it thinks it I is. I didn't know that. So you can't scan a red capsicum through as a green capsicum as easily. Not that I have. Does it pick up brown brown <laughs> onions? I guess it's because everything, wasn't yeah, everything, true. everybody was putting everything through as onions, Yeah, Brazil right? nuts as brown onions. And yeah, stuff, right. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about the moral dilemma of whether or not it's okay to eat a grape as you walk around the supermarket. Oh, yeah. Have you ever done it? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Same. So technically you haven't paid for it. So I guess like technically it is theft. Yeah. But here are the reasons why I think it's okay Okay. in certain circumstances. (laughs) Okay. Number one, eating it out of the bag on the stand, theft. Yeah. Placing the bag in your trolley. Then taking the grape. There's an intent to buy. Exactly. There's an intent to buy. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Your, um, your honour. Um, number two, if you were to try and buy one singular grape, it wouldn't register on the scales. Therefore, it's free. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So when I worked at a supermarket, someone I served tried to buy like a singular bird's eye chili and it didn't register on the scales. So I just chucked it in their bag for free. Yeah. Same thing applies to Same grapes. Same thing. Yep. Number three, they literally give out free fruit like bananas and apples to kids. To kids, yeah. As you, to eat as you do the shopping. Yeah. And a grape is very much similar, even like less expensive. So yeah, you're not a kid, but it's basically allowed, ba- I would say. Basically. Okay. That That is the weakest of <laughs> yeah. the arguments so but far. But all together, mm. that's a strong argument that's a strong for stealing argument. grapes. Yeah. Some people also say that you can steal grapes to sample the quality. Mm -hmm. So, for example, before you commit to a whole bag, just have a little taste, see if they're worth it. But I would say, like, I don't necessarily agree with that because you don't really do that with any other fruit or vegetable. Um, But Maybe you should. Hey, maybe another argument is um, screw those big supermarkets. That is another one. That's another one. Um, (laughs) Unless they're advertising on this podcast, in which case we welcome your money. (laughs) I just think that there are some 
like margins and it's okay to play in in the okay. supermarket. And supermarkets would expect you to eat a grape, just like how at Melbourne Central Coles during uni, <laughs> if I forgot my cutlery, there was just a bag of like 100 forks yeah. open, yeah, like a plastic like the, you're supposed to buy a hundred forks in the yeah. picnic area. Yeah. No one needs a hundred forks at Melbourne Central Coles, but it was just open. And so that was like a, an unwritten law that anyone who needs a fork can just take a fork. You know that our name is on this podcast. <laughs> they, could, they could come for you. Oh, isn't there like a certain thing about like <laughs> Statu- after 10 years. Statute of limitations on stealing plastic cutlery. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll look it up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe I should change my name. <laughs> Interesting that you're talking about stealing. I want to talk a little bit about stealing as well, but uh, of a much higher value. So, Em, how much would you pay for a bunch of grapes? This isn't one of those politician, oh like, how much does a loaf yeah. of bread cost? I, I actually don't know how much. They're expensive. Uh, they, they've gotten expensive. I know that. I usually don't buy the whole bag because that's kind of insane. Yeah. I would, like, take a bunch out. I don't know. I'd probably pay, like, 10 bucks. I 10 guess. 10 bucks. yep. So not 910 US dollars for a okay. single bunch. Mm, no, I've heard about these fancy Korean grapes mm. that are expensive. Well, so. yes, they're actually fancy Japanese grapes. Oh. And that's how much people have paid for them. They're, they're a special variety of grapes called Ruby Roman grapes. Ruby Roman. Uh, this is from an NBC news story from the first auction of Ruby Romans in 2008. A new variety of premium grapes debuted in Japan on Monday with a single bunch fetching as much as 100,000 yen or $910 US. A Japanese hotel manager paid that amount, or about 2,860 yen, or $26 per grape, for a one and a half pound or 700 gram bunch of Ruby Roman grapes to serve guests at an upscale hotel. We believe the price was probably a record high, said local agricultural official Hirofumu Isu. They're delicious, sweet but fresh at the same time, very well balanced. So what makes them so special? Um, According to, um, I feel like my... My uh, reference points are getting weirder. This is from a, a Japanese food box retailer called uh, Sukarako. Wait, food box. Yeah, yeah. So you buy like a box of high-end foods from Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but used they, to get them, but the snack one, not they, high-end. They seem like they know their stuff. So anyway, this is where this article is from. It explains the Ruby Romans. Ruby Roman grapes must have a deep red color with each grape weighing at least 20 grams. Also, each grape must be at least 30 millimetres in diameter and have over 18% of sugar content. So they're basically... Like, as big. Yeah. They're like uh, slightly smaller than a golf ball. Yeah, That's right. how big these things are. Uh, Japanese ruby Roman grapes are exclusively grown in the Ishikawa prefecture and harvest, harvesting season starts in July. The tree grows in gre- greenhouses where farmers can closely monitor the condition of the fruits. Ishikawa is the only place in the world that grows this luxurious fruit. And what does it taste like? The taste is a combination of fragrant and elegantly sweet with a minimal sour taste. So it costs $24 a grape. How much did it cost to import them then so I can try one? <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, they're not in, in that bag. Uh, although, well, let's get onto that because they might be getting a little bit cheaper. Um, so yeah, they're delicious. They're the size of golf balls. They take an enormous amount of manpower, 14 years of intellectual property developing these grapes, and they only come from a single prefecture in Japan. So they're scarce, which makes them the perfect target for international intellectual property theft. This is from, uh, japanforward.com in late 2022. Grapes sold under the name Ruby Roman were found in South Korea. 
and when DNA testing was carried out on some of the locally purchased grapes, it was re revealed that their genotypes matched those grown in Ishikawa Prefecture. It is believed that the fruit made their way to Korea as seedlings. So seedlings were stolen from Japan, taken to Korea and grown there. Um, because the process of grafting seedlings to harvesting of, of grapevines takes several years, it was done before there were any laws banning taking the seedlings. So there was like a a legal gray area. Cultivation is thought to be possible simply by grafting a single branch of the smuggled vine. Yeah, right. The bigger problem is the name Ruby Roman has already been trademarked and registered in South Korea by these people who have taken the seedlings from Japan because the Ishikawa prefecture had assumed the grapes would only be sold domestically and didn't register the trademark. So they've stolen 14 years of like development, millions of dollars of value, and nobody thought to register the trademark. Yeah, so they now are. they're trying to, like the Japanese, uh, the Ishikawa Prefecture Agricultural Society are trying to register the trademark in like Singapore and Hong Kong and China to, just to make sure that like the market that they'll be selling it to will at least have some protection for them. Smart. Because it's like lucrative because in like Japan and Korea, there's like this huge gifting culture for expensive yeah. fruits. Yeah. So I guess that's what this would be about. That's right. Like you can get fancy, incredible berries. That yeah, are like berries and wide. melons. Yeah. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super expensive. So the watch out for our listeners. If any South Korean grape retailers try to sell you some Ruby Romans out the back of a car in the Northland car park, <laughs> you come to us. Then what's Australia's best cooking show? Uh, the Cook and the Chef. Exactly. No question. <laughs> we've both watched a lot of Maggie and Simon over we have. the years. We have. Um, we've actually had a year-long campaign that our listeners wouldn't know about, trying to get Maggie Beer on the show. It looked like it was going to happen. Yeah, there was dates locked I in. celebrated yeah. too early. Yeah. Um, She's a busy woman. She is a busy woman. We live in hope. Maggie, come that, to us. I named my child after her. Anyway. <laughs> I like to say that you're more Simon and I'm more Maggie. Because of my, my raver days and, <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but, I mean, we both want to be Maggie because Maggie Beer is the best person in the whole world. That's true. Um, and what, my friend, is Maggie Beer's number one <laughs> favourite ingredient that she'll work into anything? Verjuice. Verjuice. Verjuice, she puts it in roast chooks, she puts it in Christmas hams, she puts it in oysters, cakes, soups, pasta, ice cream, cocktails. Literally everything Maggie Beer touches has a little glug of verjuice in it. <laughs> or a big glug. Maggie Beer brand verjuice, by the way. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So what actually is verjuice? I've said multiple times in my life and never looked it up, but it's the grape episode. You looked it up. I looked it oh up. Oh, my God. It's the juice of unripe grapes. Ah. And you can use it as an acid in cooking. I okay. mean, I did know that. Um, so I, how I, is that different <laughs> to vinegar? Vinegar has lots of complex stuff going on. I remember trying to work that out for our vinegar episode, and I'm like, oh, too hard to mention. Okay, Don't sure. understand the science. Verjuice you can make yourself just by, like, squashing unripe grapes. Really? Yeah. That's all it is? And you can use it as, like, the acid in cooking. Instead of lemon juice, it's, like, a bit... Um, it like adds brightness or sharpness, except it's milder than lemon juice. Maggie Beer actually says verjuice is the most gentle of options, lifting flavors without dominating. Mm, that's, that's from that an, sounds like Maggie, doesn't it? Oh, totally. 
It's the calming, most calming thing I've ever said. Very Maggie. Um, that's from an article in the Sydney Morning Herald 11 years ago by Kirsten Lawson. And I've actually got some verjuice here. Oh, my God. Let's taste it. Okay. I've got some wine glasses. <laughs> we don't have to drink a whole glass. But this reminds me of when I um, visited Maggie Beer's farm in mm. the Barossa Valley. She has this verjuice on tap. She's given it out for free and it's okay. glorious. Okay. Ooh, it's good. I would just drink that. It is good. It's kind of halfway between vinegar and like grape juice. It also kind of just tastes like non-alcoholic wine. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I think I paid 10, 10 bucks for a bottle of this from the supermarket before. Mm. Yeah, it's not bad. So why does Maggie love verjuice? But it's rarely mentioned <laughs> by, by any, any anyone else. Anyone in the else? World. Yeah. Well, 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 well. <laughs> Explain it to us. <laughs> According to the Maggie Beer website, Maggie was the first person in the world to produce verjuice commercially. Ah, oh, so, so she invented verjuice. Well, I mean, no. <laughs> Back to the Age article. It says. Beer pioneered the commercialization of verjuice here and around the world. She believes she was the first to make commercial quantities anywhere, mm. an extraordinary possibility given the long history of its use in Europe and the Middle East. So people have been making verjuice for years and years, centuries and centuries. Yeah. Could look up the dates, but that's more your Probably thing. thousands of years. Yeah, probably thousands. So, but Maggie started making it in 1984 and she says she was the first to make it commercially okay. we can ask her when she comes on our yeah, show let's do it um and she learned about it through reading elizabeth david and french cookbooks when she was searching for recipe ideas for her new farm shop after moving to the barossa and setting up the shop and a vineyard in the 1970s quote i felt a sense of affinity with it almost as if i could taste it as i read she writes Given my preference for sour flavours, I just knew it was going to be something I would love. So when she found herself with a crop of Rhine Riesling grapes that she couldn't sell, she persuaded a winemaker friend to help her turn them into verjuice. Mm. She's a smart woman, that Maggie. She's, she's everything. Do you have verjuice in your fridge, Ben? I don't. I don't. Mm. But I think I will now. Well, I have two bottles, so I guess that settles it that I'm the Maggie out of this pairing. Oh, God, I knew it. <laughs> okay, um, grapes make verjuice. Yes. We've just learnt that. Grapes also make wine. Correct. Correct, yep. And wine has booze in it most of the time. Yes. Which isn't a problem and, in fact, is quite a good thing unless alcohol is illegal. Yes, listeners, we're going back to the US alcohol prohibition oh, of the 1920s. Oh, it's my new civil war. I really feel like this is my new... Aye, aye, aye. We're going back there. Uh, this is from an article from wine publication Vine Pair. I won't go into too much detail, but alcohol was prohibited by the US federal government in the 1920s, but people still wanted to drink Uh and that's where a whole bunch of bootlegging happened. And, you know, you can watch the movie Untouchables with Sean Connery. I don't know. It's a, it's a thing. Kevin Costner. Um, that's where I got all my history from. Uh, but um, there was also some very uh, enterprising wine growers from the Napa Valley in California who did pretty well out of Prohibition. And this is how they did it. This is from an article from wine publication, Vine Pair. 
The Volstead Act, which is the law that, that made prohibition happen, stipulated that grape growers themselves could make juice and juice concentrate only if those products were used for non-alcoholic consumption. So wine growers could still grow grapes, but they yeah. couldn't sell the booze. So the vineyards could still make non-alcoholic wine, and that wine could theoretically be turned into alcohol by consumers as long as the winemakers gave a clear warning that this was illegal and they had no knowledge of the end consumer's intentions. With these loopholes in place, the creation of wine bricks and in turn the ability for US citizens to continue consuming wine came to be. So you buy the non-alcoholic wine and then you make some kind of wine brick. No, you buy it as a brick. So um, this is back to the article. A wine brick was a brick of concentrated grape juice. Okay. So, so like a literal brick. Literal brick, like boiled down to like solid yes. form. Mm. Which was and you just lick it. No, you okay. would add water. So yeah, so this was completely legal to, to produce. The consumers would then dissolve in water. Yes. And then ferment that, that grape juice. So it's like Barocca. I guess so. I guess it's like... Um, Stock cubes. Yeah. I was going to say like a bath bomb. Bath bomb, stock yep. cubes. You're buying this big sort of thick, solid brick and you are, you are dissolving it in water and all of a sudden you've got this grape juice made of Riesling grapes or Burgundy or Claret. Mm. So the, the consumers could then dissolve in water and ferment to make their own vino. But not every consumer knew how to make wine. So how do consumers know what to do? If you were to purchase one of these bricks, on the package would be a note explaining how to dissolve the concentrate in a gallon of water. That makes sense. That's how to use it legally. And then right below it, the note would continue with a warning instructing you not to leave that jug in the cool (laughs) cupboard for 21 days or it would turn into wine. Definitely not 21. The warning was, in fact, your key to vino. And thanks to loopholes in prohibition legislation, consuming 200 gallons of this homemade wine for your personal use was completely legal. So you're allowed (laughs) to make it at home for yourself. It just couldn't leave your home. Something wine brick packages were also very careful to remind consumers. Uh, So, yeah, basically, yeah. And and they also um, pointed out the flavors of grapes. So burgundy, claret, Riesling. Um, If if they, that's what might happen if you mistakenly left the juice to ferment. Warning, don't do that. So by 1924, the price per tonne of these um, grapes was a shocking $375, a 3,847% increase in price Mm. from the pre-prohibition price tag of only $9.50. People love their non-alcoholic wine. Just don't, (laughs) definitely don't leave it for 21 days in a cupboard to ferment. I won't, I won't. Thank you. Are you a gamer, Ben? Does Tetris count? (laughs) Tetris counts, Uh, yeah. Then I was a gamer from 1995 to 1998 pretty solidly. Yeah, okay. So it hasn't really extended. No, not really. Interesting. Because I've obviously talked about being like a Farmville nerd. Oh, yeah, Farmville. Yeah, that's how you learn how to farm. Yeah, but I've also like learned how to play golf. PGA Golf Tour was one of the first games I was into, you know, Super Mario Brothers, Rayman, The Sims, Grand Theft Auto, Pokemon, Ice Sketch, Solitaire Showdown, Draw Something, Candy Crush. But somewhere in the late 90s was a little sponsored game made to get kids to eat more lollies. And I was obsessed with it. And it was made by the Willy Wonka Candy Company. And it was called, I think it was just called Nerds Rope. Oh. <laughs> um, but do you know, do you know Nerds? The lo- I mean, I know the, the lollies. lollies. Yeah. yeah. God, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I have oh. some here. They're like the little box of um, 
you usually get grape and strawberry, the pink and purple. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I haven't had one in about no. 26,000 years. No, neither have I. But they're kind of, I think they're sour. Mm. Yeah, kind sour of and sour, and sherbety. Yeah. yeah. Grapey, I guess. Yes. They're actually quite disgusting. I've never really liked Ned. Um, I went through a phase of enjoying them, but no, not not something. Not great. Yeah, I'm, it's not rekindling my love of nerds. I wouldn't say. <laughs> well, that it didn't really matter because the game was an entity to itself. Sure, sure. Mm. But the game was to promote a version of nerds called Nerds Rope. So I found a video of what the game looked like on YouTube. So it's called Nerds Rope, and the instructions are: We nerds just love to play. Follow the leader. Want to play with us? Use the arrow keys to turn us up, down, left or right. You can't hit any walls or obstacles or you'll lose a turn. You also can't hit any other nerds on our rope line. So it's basically Snake. Yep. But it's nerds. Like the game you used to play on your Nokia 3310. Yep. 3315 if you're me and you're just a bit more, a bit cooler. (laughs) But the snake was made of a nerd's rope and a different nerd got added every time you... You know, got a little packet of nerds. So watching the video, I could feel the sound effects in my bones. Mm. Like how, like, and the stress of <laughs> this friggin' nerds rope getting longer and longer. But like, it just made me think how good is it being a kid when like that's your number one thing that stresses you out, mm. like nerds rope or snake. Or, yeah. I mean, in your case, like getting like a... A funny shaped block when it's falling down as near the door. Yeah. <laughs> so what other lollies had games attached? Mm. Well, the Willy Wonka Candy Company also made a Laffy Taffy game, which is like an American lolly, called Ben, you'd like this, Laffy Taffy Tris. Ah. Which is basically Tetris. Tetris, but with but with but, but Laffy Taffy sponsored lollies. content. Yeah. Making me want to buy their product. Yes. And a website called Candy Stand had a lifesavers game. Made in 1997. I never dabbled in that one, but it looks pretty shit, which means I probably would have liked it. Mm. Can't find too many other examples. But after having dedicated a large portion of my life to this nerd's rope game, I can safely say I barely know what a nerd's rope is and I've never eaten one. So 22 years later, Mm. the advertising has finally worked Ah. because I've got a nerd's rope and we can eat it. uh, Oh, wow. So a nerd's rope is a thing. You can buy it from Woolworths. Whoa. I've never seen it. Well, they they really played the long game. Okay. Look at this. Rope of nerds. It's magical. Attached to some sort of. Beautiful thing I've ever seen. So it's got like a sort of snake down the middle and then covered in. Yeah, it's like a lolly, a long lolly covered in colourful nerds. You know what? That's kind of amazing. Mm. That's really good. <laughs> a lot better than dealing with microscopic nerds everywhere. Yeah. I still am. I mean, I've covered this booth with nerds, <laughs> Yep. You're welcome. Um, what I'm worried about, and I'm glad that you redeemed it at the end there by mm. buying a nerd's rope, mm. is if this game was essentially like early 2000s sponsored content and it didn't work on you for 20 years... <laughs> Does that mean our listeners aren't all going to tire power? <laughs> but how I'm are we sure gonna... they're buying tissues, which is the other ad that we <laughs> seem to get. But guys, download something from, from Audible. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come <laughs> on.
Emily, do you know anything about something called emoji? Mm, no, nothing. Well, nothing. they're pictographs used to create a universal <laughs> language, up. and interestingly, they're actually tiny pieces of code invented by an employee of a Japanese uh, pager company. Yep. Okay, you're across them. Uh, we talked about them. You're aware that from time to time, some emoji pick up unintended meanings, like yes. the eggplant or the peach or the water droplets, for yes. example. But do you know what else can have a filthy, filthy meaning? Not grapes. Grapes. <laughs> really? The grape I that emoji. One which I'll d describe it for the listeners, a bunch of purplish red grapes, usually five or six, a little yeah. bunch, very round. In fact, they look like Ruby Romans, perfectly round And they, they weren't in the first drop because I don't remember being able to use them in my mm. Emoji Food Review blog days. There you go. So added a little bit later. Yeah. So maybe that's why it took a little bit longer for them to get an X-rated meaning. Uh, honestly, I can only find like two places on the internet that say that, that it is dirty, but one of them is this Daily Mail story, so you know it's good, <laughs> titled, The X-Rated Meanings Behind Popular Emojis That Will Make You Think Twice Before Sending Your Next Text. Mm -hmm. uh, so the grapes and the clinking beer glasses can both be used to mean a man's testicles. Okay. Okay. It's there's a bit of WTF going on there. Like, explain to me how clinking beer glasses or, like, a bunch of five or six grapes can denote testicles. Yeah. But I guess they're hanging, they're roundish. I don't have five six of Five or six throws me. Yeah. Yeah. So just I'm glad that you're aware now. Um, but the only thing, to, the, not only that, that's not all. Not only are grapes sexy, emoji grapes, mm. They're also used by the drug trade, also according to the Daily Mail in the article. From the red and yellow pill to a broccoli leaf and a PowerPoint, the hidden drug meanings behind some of our most commonly sent emojis. Mm. Um, this is an article from 2021. It's basically a rundown of a Kyle and Jackie O segment. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll go through the list. Uh, um, so am I Jackie O and you're Kyle. Uh, God. <laughs> hey, you get to be uh, Maggie Beer. Do I? Can I be Jackie O? Uh, I don't really want to be no. either. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a rundown of the emojis that are used by drug dealers. Mm -hmm. The green, any green emoji, such as a leaf, a Christmas tree or broccoli, marijuana. Mm, okay. A diamond or eight ball, methamphetamines or ice. You know children listen to this. Um, well, <laughs> you can have a chat to your parents about what illicit drugs are. The face with the mouth drooling, ecstasy. Mm -hmm. Man skiing or a snowflake, you can sort of guess what that is. Um, have you run these by a drug dealer? Or is this like <laughs> this, when um, I've not websites run this... report on like youth, um, yeah. like what are they, like acronyms? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is totally unproven. But published in the Daily Mail from an article, from a segment on Kyle and Jackie O. How can it go wrong? But I want you to know, don't be sending the red grapes emoji because you might get some cough syrup. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, you can get that at the chemist, can't you? Um, yeah, I guess it's like, it's it's limited. Like if it's yeah, got pseudoephedrine like or yeah, whatever right. in it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, mm. so the, the, that kind of cough syrup that can get you feeling a little bit yeah. red grapes. Mm -hmm. So now you know. I just taught you something about emojis. Mm, your drug dealer may also deliver testicles, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what did we talk about? We talked about why it's okay to steal grapes. 
then we tried a little bit of verjuice and then I delved into my gaming past with the Nerds Rope game. And I told you about Ruby Roman grapes, about Prohibition wine bricks, and then what the emoji grapes can mean. So you can vote for who you found the most interesting on our Instagram. It's nice to be back for the year. Happy 2024. Yes. Maybe your New Year's resolution can be to vote for me one time. Mm. Just once. That's all I, mean, I ask. I mean, maybe. It doesn't Just have once. to be this episode. No, I guess not.